CD4. Chapter 7 First Sight and Second Thoughts Glint, Glisten, Glitter, Gleam Tiffany thought a lot about words in the long hours of churning butter. Onomatopoeic, she discovered in the dictionary, meant words that sounded like the noise of the thing they were describing, like cuckoo. But she thought there should be a word meaning a word that sounds like the noise a thing would make if that thing made a noise, even though actually it doesn't, but would if it did. Glint, for example. If light made a noise as it reflected off a distant window, it'd go glint. And the light of tinsel, all those little glints chiming together, would make a noise like glitter glitter. Gleam was a clean, smooth noise from a surface that intended to shine all day. And glisten was the soft, almost greasy sound of something rich and oily. The little cave contained all of these at once. There was only one candle which smelled of sheep fat, but gold plates and cups gleamed, glistened, glinted and glittered the light back and forth until the one little flame filled the air with a light that even smelled expensive. The gold surrounded the bed of the Kelder, who was sitting up against a pile of pillows. She was much, much fatter than the male Pictses. She looked as if she'd been made of round balls of slightly squashy dough and was the colour of chestnuts. Her eyes were closed as Tiffany slid in, but they flicked open the moment she'd stopped pulling herself forward. They were the sharpest eyes she'd ever seen, much sharper even than Miss Tick's. "'So you'll be Sarah E. King's wee girl,' said the Kelder. "'Yes, I mean I,' said Tiffany. "'It wasn't very comfortable lying on her stomach. "'And you're the Kelder?' "'Aye, I mean yes,' said the Kelder. "'And the round face became a mass of lines as the Kelder smiled. "'What was your name now?' Uh, "'Tiffany, er, Kelder.' Fionn had turned up from some other part of the cave and was sitting down on a stool by the bed, watching Tiffany intently with a disapproving expression. "'A good name. In our tongue you'd be Tifan, land under wave,' said the Kelder. "'I don't think anyone meant to name. Ach, what people mean to do and what is done are two different things,' said the Kelder. Her little eyes shone. "'Your wee brother is safe, child. "'You could say he's safer where he is new than he ever has been. "'No mortal else can touch him. "'The queen would knee harm a hair of his head, "'and there's the evil o' it. "'Help me up here, girl.' "'Fion leapt up immediately "'and helped the Kelder struggle up higher amongst her cushions. "'Where was I?' the Kelder continued. "'Ah, the wee laddie. Ay, you could say he bides well where he is, in the Queen's own country. But I dare say there's a mother grieving. And his father, too, said Tiffany. And his wee sister, said the Kelder. Tiffany felt the words, yes, of course, trot automatically onto her tongue. She also knew that it would be very stupid to let them go any further. The little old woman's dark eyes were seeing right into her head. Ay, you're a born hag right enough said the Kelder, holding her gaze. "'You've got that little bitty bit inside of you that holds on, right? The bitty bit that watches the rest of you. "'Tis the first sight and second thoughts you have, 
and tis a wee gift and a big cast here. You see and hear what others canna. The world opens up its secrets to you, but you're always like the person at the party with the wee drink in the corner who canna join in. There's a little bitty bit inside you that will nee melt and flow. Your Sarah Aking's line right enough. The lad's fetched the right one. Tiffany didn't know what to say to that, so she didn't say anything. The Kelder watched her, eyes twinkling, until Tiffany felt awkward. "'Why would that Queen take my brother?' she asked eventually. "'And why is she after me?' "'You think she is?' "'Well, yes, actually. I mean, Jenny might have been a coincidence, but the horseman, and the grim hounds, and taking Wentworth.' "'She's bending her mind to you,' said the Kelder. "'When she does, something of her world passes into this one.' Maybe she just wants to test you. Test me. To see how good you are. You're the hag noo, the witch that guards the edges and the gateways. So was your granny, although she would ne ever call herself one. And so was I until noo, and I'll pass the duty to you. She'll have to get past you, if she wants this land. You have the first sight and the second thoughts just like your granny. That's rare in a big job. "'Don't you mean second sight?' Tiffany queried. "'Like people who could see ghosts and stuff.' "'Ach, no, that's typical big job thinking. First sight is when you can see what's really there, "'not what your heed tells you ought to be there. "'You saw Jenny. "'You saw the hospital. "'You saw them as real thingies. Second sight is dull sight. "'It's seeing only what you expect to see. "'Most big jobs have that.' "'Listen to me, because I'm fading new, and there's a lot you dinner can. "'You think this is the only world? "'That is a good thought for sheep and mortals who didn't open their eyes. "'Because in truth there are more worlds than stars in the sky, understand? "'They are everywhere, big and small, close as your skin. "'They are everywhere. "'Some you can see, and some you can eat, but there are doors to fan.' They might be a hill or a tree, or a stone or a turn in a road, or they might e'en be a thought in your heed. But they are there, all around you. You'll have to learn to see em, because you walk amongst them and dinny know it. And some of them is poisonous. The Kelder stared at Tiffany for a moment, and then continued. He asked why the Queen should take your boy. The Queen likes children. She has none of her own. She dotes on them. She'll give the wee boy everything he wants too, only what he wants. He only wants sweets, said Tiffany. Is that so? And did you gie them to him, said the Kelder, as if she was looking into Tiffany's mind. But what he needs is love and care and teaching and people saying no to him sometimes, and things of that nature. He needs to be growed up strong. He will need get that for the Queen. He'll get sweeties. Forever. Tiffany wished the Kelder would stop looking at her like that. But I see he has a sister willing to take any pains to bring him back, said the little old woman, taking her eyes away from Tiffany. What a lucky wee boy he is to be so fortunate. You ken how to be strong, do you? Yes, I think so. Good. Dear Ken, how to be weak? Can you bow to the gale? Can you bend to the storm? The Kelder smiled again. 
Nay, you need not answer that. The wee birdie always has to leap from the nest to see if it can fly. Anyway, you have the feel of Sarah aching about you, and no word in a mine would turn her once she had set her mind to something. You're no a woman yet, and that's no bad thing, because where you'll be going is easy for children, hard for adults. The world of the Queen, ventured Tiffany, trying to keep up. Aye, I can feel it new lying over this one like a fog, as far away as the other side of the mirror. I'm weakening Tiffan. I canny defend this place. So here is my bargain, child. I'll point you towards the Queen, and in return, you'll tack over as Kelda. That surprised Fionn as much as Tiffany. Her head shot up sharply and her mouth opened, but the Kelda had raised a wrinkled hand. When ye are a Kelda somewhere, my girl, you'll expect people to do your bidding. So dinny give me the argument. That's my offer, Tiffan. You won't get a better. But she can ye, Fionn began. Can she not? said the Kelda. She's near Pixie Mother. She's a bit on the large side, I, said the Kelda. Dinny fret, Tiffan. It will ne be for a long. I just need you to mind things for a wee while. Mind the land like your granny did, and mind my boys. Then, when your wee boy is back home, Hamish shall fly up to the mountains and let it be known that the Chalk Hill clan has want of a Kelda. We've got a good place here, and the girls have come flocking. What do you say? She disney know her ways, Fionn protested. You're overtired, mother. Aye, I am, said the Kelda. But a daughter canny run her mother's clan, you know that. You're a dutiful girl, Fionn, but it's time you're with picking your bodyguard and going away seeking a clan of your own. You canny stay here. The Kelda looked up at Tiffany again. Will ye, Tiffan? She held up a thumb the size of a matchhead and waited. What will I have to do? said Tiffany. The thinking, said the Kelda, still holding up her thumb. My lads are good lads, there's none braver, but they think their heeds is most useful as weapons. That's lads for you. We Pictsies aren't like you big folk, you can. You have many sisters. Fion here has none. She's my only daughter. A Kelda might be blessed with only one daughter in her whole life, but she'll have hundreds and hundreds of sons. They are all your sons, said Tiffany aghast. Who I? said the Kelda, smiling. Except for a few of my brothers who travelled here with me when I came to be Kelda. Oh, dinner looks so astonished. The bairns are really wee when they're born, like little peas in a pod, and they grew up fast. She sighed. But sometimes I think all the brains is saved for the daughters. They're good boys, but they're no great thinkers. You'll have to help them help ye. Mother, she cannot carry out the duties of Kelda, Fionn protested. I don't see why not if they're explained to me, said Tiffany. Oh, do you not, said Fionn sharply. Well, that's going to be most interesting. I recall Sarah Aching talking about you, said the Kelder. She said you were a strange wee one, always watching and listening. She said you had a heed full of words that you ne'er spoke aloud. She wondered what had become of ye. Time for you to find out, I. Aware of Fionn glaring at her, and maybe because of Fionn glaring at her, Tiffany licked her thumb and touched it gently against the Kelder's tiny thumb. It is done, then, 
said the Kelder. She lay back suddenly, and just as suddenly seemed to shrink. There were more lines in her face now. "'Never let it be said I left my sons with you to Kelder to mind them,' she muttered. "'Now I can go back to the last world. "'Tifan is the Kelder for now, Fion. "'In her hoose you'll do what she says.' Fion looked down at her feet. Tiffany could see that she was angry. The Kelder sagged. She beckoned Tiffany closer, and in a weaker voice said, "'There, tis done.' "'And now for my part the bargain. "'Listen. "'Find the place where the time Disney fit. "'There's the way in. "'It'll shine out to you. "'Bring him back to ease your pure mother's heart "'and maybe also your ain head.' "'Her voice faltered, "'and Fionn leaned quickly towards the bed. "'The Kelder sniffed. "'She opened one eye.' "'Not quite yet,' she murmured to Fionn. "'Do I smell a wee drop of special sheep liniment on yous, Kelder?' Tiffany looked puzzled for a moment and then said, "'Oh, me, oh, yes, er, here.' The Kelder struggled to sit up again. "'The best thing humans ever made,' she said. "'I'll just have a large wee drop, Fionn.' "'It puts hairs on your chest,' Tiffany warned. "'Ach, weel, for a drop of Sarah-aching special sheep liniment, "'I'll risk a curl or two, said the old Kelder. "'She took from Fionn a leather cup about the size of a thimble "'and held it up. "'I didn't think it would be good for your mother,' said Fionn. "'I'll be the judge of that at this time,' said the Kelder. "'One drop afore I go, please, Kelder Tifan.' "'Tiffany tipped the bottle slightly. "'The Kelder shook the cup irritably.' "'It was a larger drop I had in mind, Kelder,' she said. "'A Kelder has a generous heart.' "'She took something too small to be a gulp, but too large to be a sip. "'Ay, it's a lang time since I tasted this brose,' she said. "'Your granny and I used to hire a sip or two in front of the fire on cold nights.' "'Tiffany saw it clearly in her head, granny aching and this little fat woman.' "'sitting around the pot-bellied stove in the hut on wheels "'while the sheep grazed under the stars. "'Aye, you can see it,' said the Kelder. "'I can feel your eyes on me. "'That's the first sight working.' "'She lowered the cup. "'Fionn, go and fetch Rob anybody and William the Gonagall.' "'The big job is blocking the hole,' said Fionn sulkily. "'I dare say there's room to wriggle past,' said the old Kelder, in the kind of calm voice that said a stormy voice would follow if people didn't do what they were told. With a smouldering glance at Tiffany, Fionn squeezed past. "'You ken anyone who keeps bees?' said the Kelder. When Tiffany nodded, the little old woman went on, "'Then you'll know why we didn't have many daughters. "'You canny hire two queens in one hive we ought a big fight. "'Fionn must take her pick of them that will follow her "'and seek a clan that needs a Kelder.' "'That is our way. "'She thinks there's another way, as girls sometimes do. "'Be careful of her.' "'Tiffany felt something move past her, "'and Rob Anybody and the Bard came into the room. "'There was more rustling and whispering, too. "'An unofficial audience was gathering outside. "'When things had settled down a little, "'the old Kelder said, "'It is a bad thing for a clan to be left. "'We ought a Kelder to watch over it, e'en for an hour.' "'so Tifan will be your Kelder until a new one can be fetched. 
There was a murmur beside and behind Tiffany. The old Kelder looked at William de Gonagall. "'Am I right that this has been done before?' she said. "'Aye, the song say twice before,' said William. He frowned and added, "'Or you could say it was three times if you included a time when the Queen was—' He was drowned out by the cry that went up behind Tiffany. "'Nay, Queen, nay, King, nay, Laird, nay, Master, we will not be fooled again.' The old Kelder raised a hand. "'Tifan is the spawn of Granny E-King,' she said. "'You'll ken of her.' "'Aye, and you saw the wee hag stare at the heedless horseman in the eyes he has ni got,' said Rob Anybody. "'Not many people can do that.' "'And I have been your kelder for seventy years, and my words can he be gainsaid,' said the old kelder. "'So the choice is made. I tell you, too, that you'll help her steal back her wee baby brother. That is the fate I lay on you all, in memory of me and Sarah Aking.' She lay back in her bed and, in a quieter voice, added, "'And now I would have the Gonegal play the bonny flowers, "'and hope to see us all again in the last world. "'To Tifan, I say, be wary.' "'The Kelder took a deep breath. "'Somewhere our stories are real, our songs are true.' "'The old Kelder fell silent. "'William the Gonegal inflated the bag of his mouse-pipes "'and blew into one of the tubes.' Tiffany felt the bubbling in her ears of music too high-pitched to hear. After a few moments, Fionn leaned over the bed to look at her mother, then started to cry. Rob Anybody turned and looked up at Tiffany, his eyes running with tears. "'Could I just ask you to go out into the big chamber, Kelder?' he said quietly. "'We have things to do, you ken how it is.' Tiffany nodded, and with great care, feeling Picts's scuttle out of her way, backed out of the room. She found a corner where she didn't seem to be in anyone's way, and sat there with her back to the wall. She'd expected a lot of waily, 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 but it seemed the death of the Kelder was too serious for that. Some feagles were crying, and some were staring at nothing, and, as the news spread, the tiered hall filled up with a wretched, sobbing silence. The hills had been silent on the day Granny Aching died. Someone went up every day with fresh bread and milk and scraps for the dogs. It didn't need to be quite so often, but Tiffany had heard her parents talking, and her father had said, "'We ought to keep an eye on Mam now.' Today had been Tiffany's turn, but she'd never thought of it as a chore. She liked the journey. But she'd noticed the silence. It was no longer the silence of many little noises, but a dome of quiet all around a hut. She knew then, even before she went in at the open door and found Granny lying on the narrow bed. She'd felt coldness spread through her. It even had a sound. It was like a thin, sharp, musical note. It had a voice, too. Her own voice. It was saying, It's too late. Tears are no good. No time to say anything. There are things to be done. And then she fed the dogs, who were waiting patiently for their breakfast. It would have helped if they'd done something soppy like wine or lick Granny's face, but they hadn't. And still Tiffany heard the voice in her mind, No tears. Don't cry. Don't cry for Granny aching. Now in her head she watched the slightly smaller Tiffany move around a hut like a little puppet. She'd tidied up the shed. Besides the bed and the stove there really wasn't much there. 
There was the clothes sack and the big water barrel and the food box, and that was it. Oh, stuff to do with sheep was all over the place. Pots and bottles and sacks and knives and shears. But there was nothing there that said a person lived here, unless you counted the hundreds of blue and yellow jolly sailor wrappers pinned on one wall. She'd taken one of them down. It was still underneath her mattress at home, and she remembered the story. It was very unusual for Granny Aching to say more than a sentence. She used words as if they cost money. But there'd been one day when she'd taken food up to the hut, and Granny had told her a story. A sort of a story. She'd unwrapped the tobacco, and looked at the wrapper, and then looked at Tiffany with that slightly puzzled look she used, and said, "'I must have looked at a thousand of these things, and I never once saw his boat.' That was how she pronounced boat. Of course, Tiffany had rushed to have a look at this label, but she couldn't see any boat, any more than she could see the naked lady. "'That's cause the boat is just where you can't see it,' Granny had said. "'He's got a boat for chasing the great white whale fish on the salt sea. He's always chasing it all round the world.' "'It's called Mopey. "'It's a beast like a big cliff of chalk, I heard tell, in a book.' "'Why is he chasing it?' Tiffany had asked. "'To catch it,' Granny had said. "'But he never will. "'The reason being, the world is round like a big plate, "'and so is the sea, and so they're chasing one another. "'So it's almost like he's chasing himself. "'You never want to go to sea, Jiggit. "'That's where worse things happen. "'Everyone says that. "'You stop along here where the hills is in your bones.' And that was it. It was one of the very few times Granny Aching had ever said anything to Tiffany that wasn't, in some way, about sheep. It was the only time she ever acknowledged that there was a world beyond the chalk. Tiffany used to dream about the jolly sailor chasing the whale fish in his boat, and sometimes the whale fish would chase her, but the jolly sailor always arrived in his mighty ship just in time and their chase would start again. Sometimes she'd run to the lighthouse and wake up just as the door swung open. She'd never seen the sea, but one of the neighbours had an old picture on the wall that showed a lot of men clinging to a raft in what looked like a huge lake full of waves. She hadn't been able to see the lighthouse at all. And Tiffany had sat by the narrowbed and thought about Granny Aching, and about the little girl Sarah Grizzle very carefully painting the flowers in the book, and about the world losing its centre. She missed the silence. What there was... Now wasn't the same kind of silence there had been before. Granny's silence was warm and brought you inside. Granny aching might sometimes have had trouble remembering the difference between children and lambs, but in her silence you were welcome and belonged. All you had to bring was a silence of your own. Tiffany wished that she'd had the chance to say sorry about the shepherdess. Then she'd gone home and told everyone that Granny was dead. She was seven, and the world had ended. Someone was tapping politely on her boot. She opened her eyes and saw the toad. It was holding a small rock in its mouth. It spat it out. Sorry about that, it said. I'd have used my arms, but we are a very soggy species. What am I supposed to do? said Tiffany. Well, if you hit your head on this low ceiling, you would have a definite claim for damages, said the toad. Um... Did I just say that? Yes, and I hope you wish you hadn't, said Tiffany. Why did you say it? I don't know, I don't know, moaned the toad. Sorry, what were we talking about? I meant, what do the Pictses want me to do now? Oh, I don't think it works like that, said the toad. You're the Kelder, 
You say what's to be done. Why can't Fionn be Kelder? She's a pixie. Can't help you there, said the toad. Can I be of service? said a voice by Tiffany's ear. She turned her head and saw, on one of the galleries that ran around the cave, William the Gonagall. Up close he was noticeably different from the other feagles. His hair was neater and plaited into one pigtail. He didn't have as many tattoos. He spoke differently too, more clearly and slowly than the others, sounding his R's like a drum roll. Er, uh, yes, said Tiffany. Why can't Fionn be Kelder here? William nodded. A good question, he said politely. But you can, a Kelder cannot wed her brother. She must go to a new clan and wed a warrior there. Well, why couldn't that warrior come here? Because the Feagles here would not know him. They'd have no respect for him. William made respect sound like an avalanche. Oh, well, what was that about the Queen? You were going to say something and they stopped you. William looked embarrassed. I don't think I can tell you about. I am the temporary Kelder, said Tiffany stiffly. Aye, well, there was a time when we lived in the Queen's world and served her before she grew so cold. But she tricked us and we rebelled. It was a dark time. She does not like us, and that is all I will say, William added. Tiffany watched Feagles going in and out of the Kelder's chamber. Something was going on in there. They're burying her in the other part of the mound, said William, without being asked, with the other Kelders of this clan. I thought they would be more noisy, said Tiffany. She was their mother, said William. They do not want to shout. Their hearts are too full for words. In time we will hold a wake to help her back to the land of the living, and that'll be a loud one, I can promise you. We'll dance the five hundred and twelve some reel to the tune of the devil amongst the lawyers, and eat and drink, and I dare say my nephews will have headaches the size of a sheep. The old Feagle smiled briefly. But for now each Feagle remembers her in silence. We dinna mourn like you do, you can. We mourn for them that has to stay behind. Was she your mother too? said Tiffany quietly. Nay, she was my sister. Did she no tell you that when a Kelder goes to a new clan, she takes a few of her brothers with her? To be alone among strangers would be too much for a heart to bear. The Gonagall sighed. Of course, in time after a Kelder weds, the clan is full of her sons and is no so lonely for her. It must be for you, though, said Tiffany. You're a quick one, I'll grant you that, said William. I am the last of those who came. When this is o'er, I'll seek the leave of the next Kelder to return to my own folk in the mountains. This is a fine, fat country, and this is a fine, bonny clan my nephews have, but I would like to die in the Herra where I was born. If you will excuse me, Kelder. He walked away and was lost in the shadows of the mound. Tiffany suddenly wanted to go home. Perhaps it was just William's sadness, but now she felt shut up in the mound. I've got to get out of here, she muttered. Good idea, said the toad. You've got to find the place where the time is different, for one thing. But how can I do that? wailed Tiffany. You can't see time. She stuck her arms through the entrance hole and pulled herself up into the fresh air. There was a big old clock in the farmhouse, and the time on it got set once a week. That is, when her father went to the market in Creel Springs, he made a note of the position of the hands on the big clock there, and when he got home he moved the hands on their clock to the same position. 
It was really just for show, anyway. Everyone took their time from the sun, and the sun couldn't go wrong. Now Tiffany lay amongst the trunks of the old thorn bushes, whose leaves rustled continuously in the breeze. The mound was like a little island in the endless turf. Late primroses and even a few ragged foxgloves grew up here in the shelter of the thorn roots. Her apron lay beside her where she had left it earlier. She could have just told me where to look, she said. But she didn't know where it would be, said the toad. She just knew the signs to look for. Tiffany rolled over carefully and stared up at the sky between the low branches. It'll shine out, the Kelder had said. I think I ought to talk to Hamish, she said. Right ya, mistress, said a voice by her ear. She turned her head. How long have you been there, she said. Ah, the time, mistress, said the pixie. Others poked their heads around the trees and out from under leaves. There were at least twenty on the mound. You've been watching me all the time? Aye, mistress, tis our task to watch over our kilder. I'm up here most of the time anyway because I'm studying to become a gonagal. The young feagle flourished a set of mousepipes, and they will not let me play doon there on account of them saying my playing sounds like a spider trying to fart through its ears, mistress. But what happens if I want to spend a... have a... Uh, go to the... Um, what happens if I say I don't want you to guard me? If it's a wee call of nature you're talking about, mistress, the cludgy is over there in the chalk pit. You'll just single to us where you're going, and no one'll go peeking, you have our word for it, said one attendant feagle. Tiffany glared at him as he stood in the primroses, beaming with pride and anxious duty. He was younger than most of them, without as many scars and lumps. Even his nose wasn't broken. "'What's your name, Pixie?' she said. "'No, as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock-jock, mistress. "'There's no that many feagle names you can, so we had to share.' "'Well, not as big as little jock,' Tiffany began. "'That'll be medium-sized jock, mistress,' said not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock-jock. "'Well, not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock. "'I can... "'That's no as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock-jock, mistress.' said, not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock-jock. "'You were one jock shot,' he added helpfully. "'You wouldn't be happier with, say, Henry,' said Tiffany, helplessly. "'Ach, nay, mistress,' not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock-jock, wrinkled his face. "'There's nay history to the name, you can, but there have been a number of brave warriors called no as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock-jock.' "'Why, it is nearly as famous a name as Wee Jock itself. "'And, of course, should Wee Jock himself be taken to the last world, "'then I'll get the name of Wee Jock, "'which is need to say that I mislike the name of no as big as medium-sized jock, "'but bigger than Wee Jock Jock, you ken. "'There's been many a fine story of the exploits of no as big as medium-sized jock, "'but bigger than Wee Jock Jock,' the Pixie added, "'looking so earnest that Tiffany didn't have the heart to say "'that they must have been very long stories. "'Instead, she said, "'Well, er, uh, please, I want to talk to Hamish the Aviator.' "'Nay, problem,' said not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock-jock. "'He's up there right now.' He vanished. A moment later, Tiffany heard, or rather felt with her ears, the bubbling sensation of a feagle whistle. Tiffany pulled diseases of the sheep, which was now looking very battered, out of her apron. There was a blank page at the back. She tore it out, feeling like a criminal for doing so, and took out her pencil. "'Dear Mum and Dad,' "'How are you? I am well. "'Wentworth is also well, "'but I have to go and fetch him from the qu uh, uh, where he is staying. "'Hope to be back soon. Tiffany. "'P.S. I hope the cheese is all right.' "'She was just considering this "'when she heard a rush of wings overhead, 
There was a whirring noise, a moment of silence, and then a very small, weary and rather muffled voice says, "'Ah, Crivens!' She looked out onto the turf. The body of Hamish was upside down a few feet away. His arms, with their twirlers, were still outstretched. No words could describe what a feagle in a kilt looks like upside down, so they won't try. It took some time to get him out. If he landed head first and spinning, Tiffany was told, he had to be unscrewed in the opposite direction so that his ears didn't come off. When he was upright and swaying unsteadily, Tiffany said, "'Can you wrap this letter in a stone and drop it in front of the farmhouse where people will see it?' "'Aye, mistress.' "'And uh, does it hurt when you land head first like that?' "'Nay, mistress, but it's awfully embarrassing.' "'Then there's a sort of toy we used to make that might help you,' said Tiffany. "'You make a kind of bag of air.' "'Bag of air?' said the aviator, looking puzzled. "'Well, you know how things like shirts billow out in a washing line when it's windy? "'Well, you just make a cloth bag and tie some strings to it and a stone to the strings, "'and when you throw it up, the bag fills with air and a stone floats down.' Hamish stared at her. "'Do you understand me?' said Tiffany. "'Oh, I, I was just waiting to see if you was going to tell me anything else,' said Hamish politely. "'Do you think you could, er, uh, borrow some fine cloth?' "'Nay, mistress, but I can well where I can steal some,' said Hamish. Tiffany decided not to comment on this. She said, "'Where is the Queen when the mist came down?' Hamish pointed. "'About half a mile yonder, mistress.' In the distance, Tiffany could see some more mounds and a few stones from the old days. Trilithons, they were called, which just meant three stones. The only stones found naturally on the downs were flints, which were never very big. But the stones of the trilithons had been dragged from at least ten miles away and were stacked like a child stacks toy bricks. Here and there the big stones had been stood in circles. Sometimes one stone had been placed all alone. It must have taken a lot of people a long time to do all that. Some people said there had been human sacrifices up there. Some said they were part of some old religion. Some said they marked ancient graves. Some said they were a warning, avoid this place. Tiffany hadn't. She'd been there with her sisters a few times as a dare, just in case there were any skulls. But the mounds around the stones were thousands of years old. All that you found there now were rabbit holes. "'Anything else, mistress?' said Hamish politely. "'Nay, then I'll just be going.' He raised his arms over his head and started to run across the turf. Tiffany jumped as the buzzard skimmed down a few yards away from her and snatched him back up into the sky. "'How can a man six inches high train a bird like that?' she asked as the buzzard circled again for height. "'Ah, all it takes is a wee drop of kindness, mistress,' said not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock-jock. "'Really?' "'Aye, and a big dollop of cruelty!' "'not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than we jock-jock went on. "'Hamish trains them by running a wound in a rabbit-skin "'until a bird pounces on him.' "'That sounds awful,' said Tiffany. "'Ah, he's not too nasty about it. "'He just knocks them out with his head, "'and then he's got a special oil he makes which he blows up their beak.' "'Not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than we jock-jock went on. "'When they wakes up, they thinks he's their mammy, and will do his bidding.' "'The buzzard was already a distant speck. "'He hardly seems to spend any time on the ground,' said Tiffany. "'Why?' "'He sleeps in the buzzard's nest at night, mistress. "'He says it's wonderfully warm, and he spends all his time in the air.' "'Not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than we jock-jock added. "'He's ne'er happy unless he's got the wind under his kilt.' "'And the birds don't mind?' "'Ach, no, mistress. "'All the birds and beasts up here know it's good luck to be friends with the knack mac feagle mistress.' "'They do?' 
"'Well, to tell you the truth, mistress, "'it's more that they know it's unlucky not to be friends with the knack MacFeagle. "'Tiffany looked at the sun. "'It was only a few hours away from setting. "'I must find the way in,' she said. "'Look, not as small as—' "'No, as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than we jock jock, mistress,' "'said the pixie, patiently. "'Yes, yes, thank you. "'Where is Rob anybody? "'Where is everybody, in fact?' "'The young pixie looked a bit embarrassed. "'There's a bit of a debate going on down below, mistress,' he said. "'Well, we have got to find my brother, OK. "'I am the Kelder in this vicinity, yes. "'It's a wee bit more complicated than that, mistress. "'They're uh, discussing ye... "'Discussing what about me?' "'Not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than wee jock jock. "'Looked as if he really didn't want to be standing there. "'Um, they're discussing... Uh, they...' "'Tiffany gave up. "'The pixie was blushing. "'Since he was blue to begin with, "'this turned him an unpleasant violet colour.' "'I'll go back down the hole. "'Give my boots a push, will you, please?' "'She slid down the dry dirt "'and feagles scattered in the cave below as she landed. "'When her eyes got accustomed to the gloom once more, "'she saw that the galleries were crowded with pixies again. "'Some of them were in the middle of washing, "'and many of them had, for some reason, "'smoothed down their red hair with grease. "'They all started at her, "'as if caught in the act of something dreadful. "'We ought to be going if we're to follow the Queen,' "'she said, looking down at Rob Anybody, "'who'd been washing his face in a basin "'made of half a walnut shell.' Water dripped off his beard, which he'd plaited up. There were three plaits in his long hair now. If he turned suddenly, he could probably whip somebody to death. "'Ach, weel,' he said. "'There is a wee matter we got to sort out, Kelda.' He twiddled the tiny face-cloth in his hands. When Rob anybody twiddled, he was worried. "'Yes?' said Tiffany. "'Er, uh, will you know her cup of tea?' said Rob anybody, and a pixie staggered forward with a big gold cup that once must have been made for a king. Tiffany took it. She was thirsty, after all. There was a sigh from the crowd when she sipped the tea. It was actually quite good. "'We stole a bag of it from a peddler who is asleep down by the high road,' said Rob anybody. "'Good stuff, eh?' He patted down his hair with his wet hands. Tiffany's cup stopped halfway to her lips. Perhaps the Pictsies didn't realise how loudly they whispered, because her ear was on a level with the conversation. Uh, "'She's a bit on the big side, no offence to her.' "'Aye, but a kelder has to be big, you can, to have lots of wee babbies.' "'Aye, fair enough, big women is half very well, "'but if a laddie was to try to cuddle this one, "'he'd have to leave a chalk mark to show what he left off yesterday.' "'And she's a bit young. "'She needn't have any babbies yet, then, "'or maybe not too many at a time, say, nay more than ten, maybe.' "'Criffins, lad, what are you talking about? "'Tis rob anybody she'll choose anyway. "'You can see the big man's poor wee knees knocking through here.' Tiffany lived on a farm. Any little beliefs that babies are delivered by storks or found under bushes tend to get sorted out early on if you live on a farm, especially when a cow is having a difficult calving in the middle of the night. And she'd helped with the lambing, when small hands could be very useful in difficult cases. She knew all about the bags of red chalk the rams had strapped to their chests, and why you knew later on that the ewes with the red smudges on their backs were going to be mothers in the spring. It's amazing what a child who is quiet and observant can learn— and this includes things people don't think she's old enough to know. Her eye spotted Fionn on the other side of the hall. She was smiling in a worrying way. "'What's happening, Rob anybody?' she said, laying the words down carefully. "'Ach, weel, it's the clan rules you can,' said the Fiegel awkwardly. "'You being the new Kelder, and, 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 and weel, we're bound to ask you, 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 you see, no matter what we feel, we got to ask you—' He stepped back quickly. "'I didn't quite catch that,' said Tiffany. 
"'We've scrubbed up nice, you can,' Rob anybody said. "'Some of the lads actually had a bath in the dew pond. "'He noticed only May, and Big Yan washed under his arms for the first time ever, "'and Daft Woolly has picked a bonny bunch of flowers.' "'Daft Woolly stepped forward, swollen with nervous pride, "'and thrust the aforesaid bouquet into the air. "'They probably had been nice flowers, "'but he didn't have much idea of what a bunch was, or how you picked one. "'Stems and leaves and dropping petals stuck out of his fist in all directions.' "'Very nice,' said Tiffany, taking another sip of the tea. "'Good, uh, good,' said Rob Anybody, wiping his forehead. "'So maybe you'd like to tell us... "'They want to know which one of them you're going to marry,' said Fionn loudly. "'It's the rules. You have to choose or acquit as Kelda. "'You have to choose your man and name the day.' "'Aye,' said Rob Anybody, not meeting Tiffany's eye. Tiffany held the cup perfectly steady, but only because suddenly she couldn't move a muscle. She was thinking, "'Ah, this is not happening to me. I can't. He couldn't. We wouldn't. They're not even... This is ridiculous. Run away!' But she was aware of hundreds of nervous faces in the shadows. "'How you deal with this is going to be important,' said her second thoughts. "'They're all watching you.' "'and Fionn wants to see what you'll do. "'You really didn't ought to dislike a girl four feet shorter than you, but you do.' "'Well, this is very unexpected,' she said, forcing herself to smile. "'A big honour, of course.' "'Aye, aye,' said Rob anybody, looking at the floor. "'And there are so many of you, it'll be so hard to choose,' Tiffany went on, still smiling. "'And her second thoughts said, "'He's not happy about it either.' "'Aye, it will that,' said Rob anybody.' "'I'd just like to have a little fresh air while I think about it,' said Tiffany, and didn't let the smile fade until she was out on the mound again. She crouched down and peered among the primrose leaves. "'Toad!' she yelled. The toad crawled out, chewing something. "'Hmm?' it said. "'They want to marry me. "'What are you eating?' the toad swallowed. "'A very undernourished slug,' it said. "'I said they want to marry me.' "'And?' "'And? Well, just... just think.' "'Oh, right, yeah, the height thing,' said the toad. "'It might not seem much now, but when you're five feet seven, "'he'll still be six inches high.' "'Don't laugh at me, I'm the Kelder.' "'Well, of course, that's the point, isn't it?' said the toad. "'As far as they're concerned, there's rules.' "'The new Kelder marries the warrior of her choice "'and settles down and has lots and lots of feagles. "'It'd be a terrible insult to refuse. "'I am not going to marry a feagle. "'I can't have hundreds of babies. "'Tell me what to do.' "'Me? "'Tell the Kelder what to do. "'I wouldn't dare,' said the toad. "'And I don't like being shouted at. "'Even toads have their pride, you know.' "'It crawled back into the leaves. "'Tiffany took a deep breath, ready to shout.' and then closed her mouth. The old Kelder must have known about this, she thought, so she must have thought I'd be able to deal with it. It's just the rules, and they didn't know what to do about them. None of them wanted to marry a big girl like her, even if none of them would admit it. It was just the rules. There must be a way round it. There had to be. But she had to accept a husband, and she had to name the day. They'd told her that. She stared at the thorn trees for a moment. Hmm, she thought. She slid back down the hole. The Picketses 
were waiting nervously, every scarred and bearded face watching hers. "'I accept you, Rob Anybody,' she said. Rob Anybody's face became a mask of terror. She heard him mutter, "'Oh, Crivens!' in a tiny voice. "'But, of course, it's the bride who names the day, isn't it?' said Tiffany cheerfully. "'Everyone knows that.' "'Aye,' Rob Anybody quavered. "'That's the tradition right enough.' "'Then I shall.' Tiffany took a deep breath. "'At the end of the world is a great big mountain of granite rock a mile high,' she said. "'And every year a tiny bird flies all the way to the rock and wipes its beak on it. "'Well, when the little bird has worn the mountain down to the size of a grain of sand, "'that's the day I'll marry you, Rob Anybody Feagle.' Rob Anybody's terror turned to outright panic, but then he hesitated and, very slowly, started to grin. "'Aye, good idea,' he said slowly. "'It does need do to rush these things.' "'Absolutely,' said Tiffany. "'And that'd give us time to sort out the guest list and all that,' the Pixie went on. "'That's right. Plus there's all that business with a wedding dress and buckets of flowers and that kind of stuff.' said Rob Anybody, looking more cheerful by the second. "'That sort of thing can take forever, you can.' "'Oh, yes,' said Tiffany. "'But she's really just said no,' Fionn burst out. "'It'd take millions of years for the bird to—' uh, "'She said aye,' Rob Anybody shouted. "'You all heard her, lads, and she's named the day. That's the rules.' "'Nay problem about the mountain, either,' said Daft Woolly, still holding out the flowers. "'Just you tell us where it is, and I reckon we could hide Doon a lot faster than any wee birdie.' "'It's got to be the bird!' yelled Rob Anybody desperately. "'Okay, the wee birdie. Name or arguing. Anyone feel like arguing or feel my boot?' "'Some of us have got a wee laddie to steal back for the queen.' He drew his sword and waved it in the air. "'Who's coming with me?' That seemed to work. The Knack MacFeagle liked clear goals. Hundreds of swords and battle-axes and one bunch of battered flowers in the case of Daft Woolly were thrust into the air and the war cry of the Knack MacFeagle echoed around the chamber. The period of time it takes a pixie to go from normal to mad fighting mood is so tiny it can't be measured on the smallest clock. Unfortunately, since the pixies were very individualistic, each one had his own cry, and Tiffany could only make out a few over the din. They can take our lives, but they cannot take our trousers. Bang when sixpence. You'll take the high road and I'll take your wallet. There can only be one thousand. Ach, stick it up your trackens but the voices gradually came together in one roar that shook the walls. "'Nay, king! Nay, queen! Nay, laird! Nay, master! We will not be fooled again!' This died away. A cloud of dust dropped from the roof, and there was silence. "'Let's gay!' cried Rob anybody. As one feagle, the Pictses swarmed down the galleries and across the floor and up the slope to the hole. In a few seconds the chamber was empty, except for the Gonegal and Fionn. "'Where have they gone?' said Tiffany. "'Ach, they just go,' said Fionn, shrugging. "'I'm going to stay here and look after the fire. "'Someone ought to act like a proper kelder,' she glared at Tiffany. "'I do hope you find a clan for yourself soon, Fionn,' said Tiffany sweetly. "'The Pixie scowled at her. "'They'll run around for a while, maybe stun a few bunnies and fall over a few times,' said William. "'They'll slow down when they find out they don't ken what they're supposed to do yet.' "'Do they always just run off like this?' said Tiffany. "'Ach, well, rob anybody Disney want too much talk about marrying,' said William, grinning. "'Yes, we have a lot in common in that respect,' said Tiffany. She pulled herself out of the hole and found the toad waiting for her. "'I listened in,' it said. "'Well done. Very clever. Very diplomatic.' Tiffany looked around. 
There were a few hours to sunset, but the shadows were already lengthening. "'We'd better be going,' she said, tying on her apron. "'And you're coming, Toad.' "'Well, I don't know much about how to get into—' "'The Toad began, trying to back away. "'But Toads can't back up easily, "'and Tiffany grabbed it and put it in her apron pocket. "'She headed for the mounds and stones. "'My brother will never grow up,' she thought, "'as she ran across the turf. "'That's what the old lady said. "'How does that work? "'What kind of a place is it where you never grow up?' "'The mounds got nearer. "'She saw William, and not as big as medium-sized Jock, "'but bigger than wee Jock Jock, running along beside her but there was no sign of the rest of the Nackmack Fiegel. And then she was among the mounds. Her sisters had told her that there were more dead kings buried under there, but it had never frightened her. Nothing on the downs had ever frightened her. But it was cold here. She'd never noticed that before. Find a place where the time doesn't fit. Well, the mounds were history. So were the old stones. Did they fit here? Well, yes, they belonged to the past— but they'd ridden on the hills for thousands of years. They'd grown old here. They were part of the landscape. The low sun made the shadows lengthen. That was when the chalk revealed its secrets. At some places, when the light was right, you could see the edges of old fields and tracks. The shadows showed up what brilliant noonlight couldn't see. Tiffany had made up noonlight. She couldn't even see hoofprints. She wandered around the trilithons, which looked a bit like huge stone doorways, but even when she tried walking through them both ways, nothing happened. This wasn't according to plan. There should have been a magic door, she was sure of that. A bubbling feeling in her ear suggested that someone was playing the mouse pipes. She looked around and saw William the Gonagall standing on a fallen stone. His cheeks were bulging, and so was the bag of the mouse pipes. She waved at him. "'Can you see anything?' she called. William took the pipe out of his mouth, and the bubbling stopped. "'Oh, aye,' he said. "'The way to the Queen's land?' "'Oh, aye.' "'Well, would you care to tell me?' "'I dinna need to tell a kelder,' said William. "'A kelder would see the clear way hersel.' "'But you could tell me.' "'Aye, and you could have said please,' said William. "'I'm ninety-six years old. "'I'm near dolly in your dolly hoose. "'Your granny was a fine woman, but I'll no be ordered about by a wee chitter girl.' Tiffany stared for a moment and then lifted the toad out of her apron pocket. "'Chit,' she said. "'It means something very small,' said the toad. "'Trust me.' "'He's calling me small.' "'I'm bigger on the inside,' said William. "'And I dare say your da wouldn't he be happy if a big giant of a wee girl came stumping around ordering him about.' "'The old kelder ordered people about,' said Tiffany. "'Aye, because she don't respect!' "'The Gonagall's voice seemed to echo around the stones. "'Please, I don't know what to do!' wailed Tiffany. "'William stared at her. "'Ach, Weel, you're no doing too badly so far,' he said in a nicer tone of voice. "'You got rob anybody out of marrying you without breaking the rules, "'and you're a game lass, I'll gear that. "'You'll find the way if you tack your time.' "'Just don't stamp your foot and expect the world to do your bidding. "'All you're doing is shouting for a sweeties you can. "'Use your eyes. Use your heed.' "'He put the pipe back in his mouth, "'puffed his cheeks until the skin bag was full, "'and made Tiffany's ears bubble again. "'What about you, Toad?' said Tiffany, "'looking into the apron pocket. "'You're on your own, I'm afraid,' said the Toad. "'Whoever I used to be, I didn't know much about finding invisible doors.' "'and I resent being press-ganged, too, I may say. "'But 
I don't know what to do. Is there a magic word I should say? I don't know. Is there a magic word you should say? said the toad and turned over. Tiffany was aware that the Knack MacFeagle were turning up. They had a nasty habit of being really quiet when they wanted to. Oh no, she thought. They think I know what to do. This isn't fair. I've not got any training for this. I haven't been to the witch school. I can't even find that. The opening must be somewhere around here, and there must be clues, but I don't know what they are. They're watching me to see if I'm any good. And I'm good at cheese, and that's all. But a witch deals with things. She put the toad back in her pocket and felt the weight of the book Diseases of the Sheep. When she pulled it out, she heard a sigh go up from the assembled Pictses. They think words are magical. She opened the book at random and frowned. Cloggets, she said aloud. Around her the Pictses nodded their heads and nudged one another. Cloggets are a trembling of the grebes in hoggets, she read, which can lead to inflammation of the lower pasks. If untreated, it may lead to the more serious condition of sloke. Recommended treatment is daily dosing with turpentine until there is no longer either any trembling or turpentine or sheep. She risked looking up. Feagles were watching her from every stone and mound. They looked impressed. However, the words in Diseases of the Sheep cut no ice with magic doorways. Scrabbity, read Tiffany. There was a ripple of anticipation. Scrabbity is a flaky skin condition, particularly around the lollets. Turpentine is a useful remedy. And then she saw, out of the corner of her eye, the teddy bear. It was very small, and the kind of red you don't quite get in nature. Tiffany knew what it was. Wentworth loved the teddy bear sweets. They tasted like glue mixed with sugar and were made of 100% artificial additives. Ah, she said aloud, my brother was certainly brought here. This caused a stir. She walked forward, reading aloud about Gargit of the Nostrils and the Staggers, but keeping an eye on the ground. And there was another teddy bear sweet, green this time, and quite hard to see against the turf. Okay, Tiffany thought. There was one of the three stone arches a little way away, two big stones with another one laid across the top of them. She'd walked through it before, and nothing had happened. But nothing should happen, she thought. You can't leave a doorway into your world that anyone can walk through. Otherwise people would wander in and out by accident. You'd have to know it was there. Perhaps that's the only way it would work. Fine. Then I'll believe that this is the entrance. She stepped through and saw an astonishing sight. Green grass, blue sky becoming pink around the setting sun, a few little white clouds late for bed, and a general warm, honey-coloured look to everything. It was amazing that there could be a sight like this. The fact that Tiffany had seen it nearly every day of her life didn't make it any less fantastic. As a bonus, you didn't even have to look through any kind of stone arch to see it. You could see it by standing practically anywhere. Except... Something was wrong. Tiffany walked through the arch several times and still wasn't quite sure. She held up a hand at arm's length, trying to measure the sun's height against the horizon. And then she saw the bird. It was a swallow, hunting flies, and a swoop took it behind the stones. The effect was... odd, and almost upsetting. It passed behind the stone and she felt her eyes move to follow the swoop, but it was late. There was a moment when the swallow should have appeared, 
and it didn't. Then it passed across the gap and for a moment was on both sides of the other stone at the same time. Seeing it made Tiffany feel that her eyeballs had been pulled out and turned around. Look for a place where the time doesn't fit. The world seen through that gap is at least one second behind the time here, she said, trying to sound as certain as possible. I think... I know this is the entrance. There was some whooping and clapping from the knack-mack feagles, and they surged across the turf towards her. That was great! Ah, that reading you did, said Rob anybody. I didn't understand a single word of it. Ah, it must be powerful language if you can make out what the heel is going on about, said another pixie. You definitely have got the makings of a kelder, mistress, said not as big as medium-sized jock, but bigger than we jock-jock. Aye, said Daft Woolly, it was smashing the way you spotted them sweeties and didn't you let on. We didn't think you'd see the wee green one, too. The rest of the pixies stopped cheering and glared at him. What did I say? What did I say? he said. Tiffany sagged. You all knew that was the way through, didn't you? she said. Oh, aye, said Rob anybody. We ken that kind of stuff. We used to live in the Queen's country again, but we rebelled against her evil rule. And we did that, and then she threw us out on account of being drunk and stealing and fighting all the time, said Daft Woolly. It wasn't like that at all, roared Rob anybody. And you were waiting to see if I could find the way, right? said Tiffany before a fight could start. Aye, you did well, lassie. Tiffany shook her head. No, I didn't, she said. I didn't do any real magic. I don't know how. I just looked at things and worked them out. It was cheating, really. The Pictsies looked at one another. Ah, weel, said Rob anybody. What's magic, eh? Just waving a stick and saying a few wee magical words. And what's so clever about that, eh? But looking at things, really looking at them, and then working them out, now that's a real skill. Aye, it is, said William the Gonagall, to Tiffany's surprise. You used your eyes and used your heed. That's what a real hag does. The magicking is just there for advertising. Oh, said Tiffany, cheering up. Really? Well, then, there's our door, everyone. Right, said Rob, anybody. Now show us the way through. Tiffany hesitated and then thought, I could feel myself thinking. I'm watching the way I'm thinking, and what am I thinking? I'm thinking, I walked through this arch before and nothing happened. But I wasn't looking then. I wasn't thinking either. Not properly. The world I can see through the arch isn't actually real. It just looks as though it is. It's a sort of magical picture put there to disguise the entrance. And if you don't pay attention, well, you just walk in and out of it and you don't realise it. Aha! She walked through the arch. Nothing happened. The knack-mack feagles watched her solemnly. Okay, she thought. I'm still being fooled, aren't I? She stood in front of the stones and stretched out her hand on either side of her and shut her eyes. Very slowly she stepped forward. Something crunched under her boots, but she didn't open her eyes until she couldn't feel the stones any more. When she did open them, it was a black and white landscape. Chapter 8 Land of Winter "'Aye, she's got first sight, sure enough,' said William's voice behind Tiffany as she stared into the world of the Queen. "'She's seeing what's really there.' 
snow stretched away under a sky so dirty white that Tiffany might have been standing inside a ping-pong ball. Only black trunks and scribbly branches of the trees here and there told her where the land stopped and the sky began. Those, and of course the hoof-prints, they stretched away towards a forest of black trees bowed with snow. The cold was like little needles all over her skin. She looked down and saw the knack-mack feagles pouring through the gate, waist-deep in the snow. They spread out without speaking. Some of them had drawn their swords. They weren't laughing and joking now. They were watchful. "'Right, then,' said Rob anybody. "'Well done. You wait here for us, and we'll get your wee brother back. Nay problemo.' "'I'm coming too,' snapped Tiffany. "'Nay, the Kelder Disney... "'This one diz,' said Tiffany, shivering. "'I mean does. He's my brother, and where are we?' "'Rob anybody glanced up at the pale sky. "'There was no sun anywhere. "'You're here noo,' he said. "'So maybe there's nae harm in telling you. "'This is what you call fairyland.' "'Fairyland? No, it's not. I've seen pictures. "'Fairyland is is all trees and flowers and sunshine and, and tinkliness. "'Dumpy little babies in romper suits with horns.' "'People with wings, um, and weird people. I've seen pictures.' "'It isn't always like this,' said Rob anybody shortly. "'And you can come with us, because you had any weapon, mistress.' "'What happened to my frying-pan?' said Tiffany. "'Something bumped against her heels. "'She looked around and saw, not as big as medium-sized Jock, "'but bigger than wee Jock Jock, hold up the pan triumphantly. "'Okay, you have the pan,' said Rob anybody. "'But what you need here is a sword of thunderbolt iron.' "'That's like the, you know, official weapon for invading Fairyland.' "'I know how to use the pan,' said Tiffany, "'and I'm—' "'Incoming!' yelled Daft Woolly. "'Tiffany saw a line of black dots in the distance "'and felt someone climb up her back and stand on her head. "'It's the black dogs!' "'Not as big as medium-sized Jock, but bigger than we Jock Jock announced. "'Dozens of them, big man!' "'We'll never outrun the dogs,' Tiffany cried, grabbing her pan. "'Didn't need to,' said Rob anybody.' "'We got the Gonagal weirs this time. "'You might like to stick your fingers in your ears, though.' "'William, with his eyes fixed on the approaching pack, "'was unscrewing some of the pipes from the mouse pipes "'and putting them in a bag he carried hanging from his shoulder. "'The dogs were much closer now. "'Tiffany could see the razor teeth and the burning eyes. "'Slowly William took out some of the much shorter, smaller pipes "'that had a silvery look to them, and screwed them in place. "'He had the look of someone who wasn't going to rush.' Tiffany gripped the handle of her pan. The dogs weren't barking. It would have been slightly less scary if they were. William swung the mouse pipes under his arm and blew into one till the bag bulged. "'I shall play,' he announced, as the dogs got close enough for Tiffany to see the drool, "'that firm favourite, the King Underwater.' As one pictsy, the knack mac dropped their swords and put their hands over their ears. William put the mouthpiece to his lips, tapped his foot once or twice, and, as a dog gathered itself to leap at Tiffany, began to play. A lot of things happened at more or less the same time. All Tiffany's teeth started to buzz. The pan vibrated in her hands and dropped onto the snow. The dog in front of her went cross-eyed and, instead of leaping, tumbled forward. The grim hounds paid no attention to the pixies. They howled, they spun around, they tried to bite their own tails... They stumbled and ran into one another. The line of panting death broke into dozens of desperate animals, twisting and writhing and trying to escape from their own skins. The snow was melting in a circle around William, whose cheeks were red with effort. 
Steam was rising. He took the pipe from his mouth. The grim hounds, struggling in the slush, raised their heads, and then, as one dog, they put their tails between their legs and ran like greyhounds back across the snow. "'We'll they ken we're here noo,' said Rob anybody, wiping tears from his eyes. "'Oh, agent!' said Tiffany, touching her teeth to check that they were all still there. "'He played the notes of pain,' Rob anybody explained. "'You canny hear them, cos they're pitched so high, but the doggies can. Hurts them in their heeds. Now we'd better get moving before she sends something else.' "'The Queen sent them, but they're like something out of nightmares,' said Tiffany. "'Oh, aye,' said Rob anybody. "'That's where she got them.' Tiffany looked at William the Gonagall. He was calmly replacing the pipes. He saw her staring at him, looked up and winked. "'The knack, MacFiegel, tuck music very seriously,' he said. Then he nodded at the snow near Tiffany's foot. There was a sugary yellow teddy bear in the snow, made of 100% artificial additives. And the snow all around Tiffany was melting away. End of CD 4